welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, welcome to episode 214 for January 26th, 2015. On today's show, we're talking about grain orientation for planing, matching plywood and solid wood, and keeping glue and finishes warm in these freezing temperatures. Now, we don't have any sponsors today, but I would like to thank all the folks who signed up for recurring and one-time donations at woodtalkshow.com. Just look over on the left-hand side, and you're going to see some links there that you can use to help support the show, and we appreciate everybody who does that. Mm -hmm. And we've got a couple announcements to make. Uh, announcements. Announcements. Yay. Yeah, we don't actually have announcements. You know what I hate is when podcasts go, we've got announcements to make. And then it's just like, who cares? Who cares kind of announcements? You know? And these, these Not just. Not this podcast, though. I don't know. Care about these. these might, On Tuesday, these, I'm going to the dentist. <laughs> these might suck. You just never know. Uh, okay. So speaking of the website, we actually do have a new website now. And I've uh, teased at this for a while. And we finally have a home, a place that we can call our own gentlemen. We can kind of snuggle up together at night and say, oh, it's so great living together. It's um, so nice not being lost in the desert anymore. I love it. <laughs> Isn't it, though? So go to woodtalkshow.com and you will see our new website. It's very sparse. It's very basic. We're using an out-of-the-box theme. And over time, we'll give it the love that it deserves. But for now, it's a place that we can call our own. And you could just listen to the shows and comment, as you always have. And it's just separate from the Wood Whisperer site now. You can still get there from the Wood Whisperer site. In fact, you can get there from all three of our sites. Uh, but this is the place we call home. So feel free to participate. Leave comments. Uh, there's a, co a little comment thing on the left-hand side. You can actually fill out the form, the newsletter sign up. So if you want the, the, the email notifications that tell you there's a new episode, you could sign up for that too. Uh, everything you could possibly need Wood Talk related is all there for you. So check it out. And uh, one of the best things about it is the fact that you will never, ever possibly, well, maybe you could get distracted by an image of Mark in a wig wearing <laughs> lingerie on a bed ever again. Yeah, the chances of that happening are a little slimmer on one talk show, so that's a benefit. Uh, the other thing is you may have noticed last week that there was an extra show toward the end of the week. Uh, I believe I what? released it on Thursday, right? Did you guys record without me? I, uh, shh, Mark, oh, you were supposed crap. to say crap. I let the cat out of the bag. Oh, man. We yeah. got that Shannon stand-in. And if you did notice it, hopefully you liked it. It was just a single topic uh, episode, very quick, you know, maybe 15 minutes or so. We're going to make a habit. We're going to make a concerted effort to do that every week, which means you could very well have two Wood Talk episodes coming into your earballs. Uh, each week and let us know what you think about that we're going to give it a shot but we've been asking for support and we've been also getting sponsors and advertisers on the show and a lot of that kind of just helps <laughs> helps the gears keep turning and then supports the show and makes it makes it go but we like to give back with that and i think you've been helping us out a lot people really have been signing up for those recurring donations and that really helps us so it's our way of saying thank you and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to keep it up for as long as we can maybe we'll call it like i don't know the wood talk weekend edition and it gives you just a little bit of extra stuff to listen to absolutely yeah. and by the way you're welcome we'll just put that out there right now <laughs> matt says you're welcome <laughs> okay and speaking of weekends and wood talk this is kind of a future thing but let's uh let's make it real quick we toyed around for a while now with an idea of having a little well, i don't want to call it a convention it's more like a, a intensive course on a weekend where we invite some uh, select guests maybe 15 people because i can't accommodate that many to, to come out to my shop spend a weekend with me with Matt, with Shannon, 
and we just get into it like deep into and barbecue and barbecue, barbecue. plenty of barbecue. Uh, the idea is to really have an intensive course on various woodworking topics. And, uh, our, our thought process at this point is to have this thing, let's say around this time next year. And of course it requires planning. We've got a lot of, you know, contacts to make and a lot of, uh, T's to cross and I's to dot. So a lot of work to do, but that's why we need a year to get it done. Uh, but we want to know what you think about this, you know, and we're not going to be able to accommodate that many people. So this is going to be something that, you know, only 15 people will be able to take advantage of. But if it's a, a success, we may be able to do it multiple times each year. Right. Absolutely. You know? And we're also going to be, uh, we're thinking about having a virtual ticket so that if you can't attend, you'll be able to pay a small fee and get access to the courses that were recorded and edited in a format that's a little bit easier to digest. Those would be available after the event, of course. Um, and, and can- I, th- I think that's kind of key too, because yeah. I've purchased virtual tickets to marketing conferences before and basically it's like it's live the camera all the way in the back broadcast (laughs) you know and and i I say this to a lot of my um hand tool school members as well you know the live sessions are fun but ultimately the edited one is so much better because it takes it takes out all the ums and ahs and me moving the camera around and sure all that basic fluff and you know you get a, a much better uh perspective on things yeah and i've seen a lot of conferences doing that lately and it's awesome because I've been able to go to stuff that there's just no way I'd be able to get away from. Her, so yeah, right. And you know, and a, and a big part of this, I, th- I think, when we first brought this whole idea up, number one, we were really, really wasted on grape soda and plenty of pizza <laughs> or something like that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when we find when all that sugar rush finally came down, that's when we're like, you know what, that was a fantastic idea. But I think the, the most important thing is we were kicking around all these ideas that were just we want something that we would want to attend and yeah. that we would actually want to pay attention to. So. Sure. That's really an important part about this. Yeah, and the key for this is, you know, events like Woodworking in America, they're great. Absolutely great. We love them. Very social event. Uh, But you don't really get an opportunity for hands-on. And that's all this is about. This is not about us sitting there talking to you for a weekend. It's about us setting up individual courses with no more than like five people. And each of those five people will have a tool in their hand and they can actually practice and do this stuff as it's being demonstrated. And, you know, we'll be able to guide them through the process, but the idea is for them to get hands on the entire time um, and, and really compress a lot into a short period of time. So uh, let's just put it this way. If you're interested in it, you know, send us an email, let us know a uh, kickback at woodtalkshow.com. Uh, leave a comment on the website for this episode, whatever you want to do. Just let us know if you think this is a good idea. If you don't think it's a good idea, we don't want to hear from you because we're going to do right. it anyway. Because <laughs> exactly. tr- truthfully, only 15 people need to think this is a good idea. And actually, you know, <laughs> we'll if you fine. do think it's a bad idea and you start sending us your ideas of why it's a bad idea, that's going to make me want to do it even more. <laughs> Just to spite you, we will do that's it even right. more. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good and I, stuff. I just like to say that <clears throat> this was all my idea. <laughs> this was back at Woodworking in America, wasn't it? When we yeah, got yeah. together in person. After we binged on mac and cheese at whatever that place at, was. At the Keystone and then we the did Keystone. the... Yeah. The semi long walk only because I have the shortest legs and you guys are way ahead of me. So you had to slow down to wait <laughs> yeah. for me to catch up with you. <laughs> on, and we man. got back to the hotel room and we're like, oh, my gosh, we have to do this. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a fun event. All right. So uh, cool stuff coming. You know, lots of great things. You guys support the show and hopefully you see that we're doing something good with all of that support and uh, trying to give back a little bit. All right, let's move into what's on the bench. What's been going on in the shop? For me, I've actually been in the shop. That's something different. 
kind of nice what? for a change, Wait a minute. Right? I know. Is that because you're getting ready for this uh, event coming up a year from now? <laughs> I gotta, you know, it's never too early to prepare, man. Um, right. Yeah, I've actually a couple different things going on. Nothing I'll dwell on too long. Um, I put a new finish on the rustic table. This was a project I did over a year ago now. And that thing has been sitting outside in the Arizona heat, the Arizona sun, and the Arizona occasional rain that we get, and the haboobs. And like, it's just a terrible, terrible environment out there for wood. Mm, I like haboobs. Haboobs. And (laughs) it has uh, been through a lot. So that little coat of teak oil that I put on it before probably isn't going to hold up for very, very much longer. So I'm taking the pieces in the shop, sanding them down just a little bit, not to bare wood necessarily, but getting them down pretty far. And I'm just, uh, I'm on an Epiphanes kick right now. I'm like, all right, that was a neat experiment. Now I kind of have an idea where teak oil took me. Let's see where uh, Epiphanes will take me in this Arizona weather. So, you know, I consider my my personal projects a constant experiment that will eventually give me useful information that I could share with other people. So we'll see how the Epiphanes goes. And uh, those coats are drying right now. Um, I'm also laying out parts for the dresser and nightstand project that's coming up in the guild. I uh, got a bunch of babinga that I'm marking up and we'll probably tonight after dinner, I'm going to head back in there and cut some of that stock down for uh, rough cuts. And, uh, and I emailed you two both about this today because I was so frustrated. And, um, let me preface this by saying, I love the military. I love the air force. <laughs> I have the highest respect for what they do and they are true heroes um, and I think, you know, we, we talked about this, how humbling it is when a, a soldier tells us that they actually take wood talk with them, uh, when they go overseas and they, they're deployed and they actually have like this thing that makes them feel like they're still at home, you know, and they no, can- in post editing, I really think we need to have the star spangled banner slowly <laughs> yeah. playing in the background. <laughs> right. Okay. I'll do that. Um, but, but when the air force is doing their little practice loop de loops over my house, and I'm trying to record. I'm just trying to get the guild project like off the ground. It's the first day of filming. And I, I have this vision in my head of an F-16 like gets over my shop and then just goes straight up and straight down, straight up and straight down <laughs> right over my shop for hours. Like I don't, I'm sure they're not doing that, but that's what it feels like. They've tapped into your wireless <laughs> mic frequency. So they know exactly, exactly when you what you start I talking. Talk, right. And get this, right. So it stops. And I guess maybe they took a lunch break. Who starts? The guy next door with the leaf blower. <laughs> right? And I'm like, I guess I'm just not working today. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. A leaf blower in Arizona. Uh, was that knocking the cactus spikes off or it's something? What's what, going on? It's what everybody does with a leaf blower. They just blow crap into somebody else's yard. That's the whole point of it. Maybe he's trying to affect your epiphanes experiment. <laughs> he's might blowing be. all the dust out of his yard that the F-16 kicked over into his yard by doing loop-to-loops it, it over could, Mark's house. Yeah, it could very well be. And look, hey, I know I'm the idiot who moved into a house that's right, like very close to an Air Force base. Truth is, I didn't really know how bad it was going to be. Um, <laughs> but this is nothing new for me. And I complain about this all the time. But I complain about it with the utmost respect for our military personnel. I love you guys and gals. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, Stealth fighter my butt. I can hear that a mile away. But let me tell you, the sound of freedom hurts my ears. And uh, <laughs> But I love you guys. <laughs> I'm wondering now if maybe there's a, uh, a military person high up in the chain of command who also wants to start a woodworking podcast. And he's like, uh, that guy right there, we need to take him out so that mine goes to the top of the list. <laughs> yeah, get rid of the competition. Uh, exactly. But yeah, anyway. An F-16, though, there's faster ways to eliminate the competition, I would think. Noise pollution is <laughs> probably the slow game there. Exactly. Uh, I think it's, it's psychological torture is what they're trying to do right now. It could very well be because I am sitting in there going, what did I like? What did I do with my life? Why am I doing this to myself? It's such torture. Uh, but yeah, 
really problems that aren't actually problems, I think is what we could uh, classify this as. Anyway, so enough about me. Uh, Shannon, what have you been up to? Well, speaking of problems that aren't problems, <clears throat> I um, I landed three commissions this weekend. Mm. Oh, congratulations. Was, uh, congratulations. Interesting. Um, Christopher Schwartz was on the Craftsman Roads pod craftsman's road podcast a while ago i don't even know if that podcast is still around um it's kind of been off the air for a while but he talked about his business being a three-legged stool and he's got his commissions his teaching and his writing all providing income streams for him and i kind of took that to heart thinking you know i should really try to take more commissions because i do actually get inquiries i have this crazy amount of seo <laughs> that still drives me a lot of local traffic for people looking for furniture mm -hmm. and nine times out of 10, I turn them away because I just don't have the time. And I've just been thinking maybe I should do that more. So I just had that conversation and I was out and about this weekend and I ran into a previous customer. And this is a, a very nice lady who has bought small things from me, bowls and things like that. Um, if you've been watching my show for a while, I built a little Tansu box, which was actually an urn for two dogs. She's the the lady that bought that from me. Oh, cool. So she grabs me and she's like, you know, do you remember me? I was like, of course, you know, I, I, I still, I still got a lot of traffic to that Tansu post. And, um, she wants three pieces of furniture and it's, it's kind of cool because she, they're all kind of display E type things. They're not like a functional table or anything. Um, she's got three spots in three different rooms that she wants to display stuff. One is like this really prize winning orchid. So she wants like a plant stand looking thing. Another one, she has some, um, actually I'm proud to say one of the things she wants to display is a bowl I made for her about 10 years ago, Oh, cool! but she's got, um, some vases and things like that. So she wants like, a, a, a more of a vertical display stand, very open and airy. So you can see the stuff. And then another one, she wants wall mounted, really small stuff. And that room apparently is where she keeps her, what she calls her antique furniture. So she wants it to match that kind of period style. Mm -hmm. So it's, I'm really kind of excited about, about this because it's three very different pieces and three very different styles. Um, and it it's kind of cool. You know, that's one of the things that I've heard from people who say they do commissions. You kind of have to do you have to take the business and if you don't really like the style, suck it up because it pays the bills. <laughs> yeah. This is, I've got a lot of flexibility to do what I want to do. She's given me some guidance, um, but I, I really get to play around with three very different things and they're not huge, you know? So I, I, I can, I feel pretty good taking on these three pieces that, you know, it's not going to be 200 board feet a piece to, to build these. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to pencil out some time somewhere and, get going, hopefully get started on them this weekend. Nice. Sounds good. I mean, commissions, like you said, they can be a bear, but when you get either someone who want, who doesn't want to haggle over the price, there's always a dream customer. <laughs> right. And then someone who lets you use materials that you might not be able to afford. That's a dream customer or like this, someone who gives you the opportunity to work in styles uh, that you might not normally be able to work in and actually make money on. Um, right. That's awesome. Well, man. and that'll be, that'll be the real interesting thing for me is actually making money on it. Cause yeah. you know, let's be honest, my experience level at that is, is very slim. Um, and especially being a hand tool guy, time is money. I need to figure out good ways to do this. And this is a customer that's not made out of money either. You know, right. I know guys who have that type of customer and frankly, the custom furniture customer is somebody that has a little bit more disposable income. This is someone that's kind of like you or me, you know, typical middle-class person. Right. So, you know, I'm not going to be charging $2,000 for a plant stand. I would stick so it I to her, man. To, I have to pay very close attention to that, I think, yeah. which will be 
fun in and of itself. You cool. Know? Sounds good. Sweet. Matt, what about you, dude? Well, you know, this time of year, for some reason, I just really don't feel like doing anything except oh, sitting on the TV going, hey, when does the new season start? <laughs> I'm getting tired of watching these reruns. But actually, uh, what I've been doing just recently is I'm getting ready to start for the beginning of February uh, for sure. The first videos for the uh, dresser build for my daughter, Madison, is going to be coming out. And so I already started filming some of those. And the big thing I did is I started going through my lumber stack and really, truly going through sorting and getting things set up for which components are going to made up, be made out of which pieces of lumber and even though it's being painted you know it's one of those things where i'm looking for what boards would definitely be better for like interior components all that stuff so that's really what i've been doing is moving one pile to a different pile then cross cutting so I, I put that video out a little while ago of some of the work i was doing and once again resorting through some of that stuff so uh i i guess what I'm actually doing is just killing time. <laughs> that's the best description of it. But I'm doing it in my shop, and that's a lot of fun. It counts. That counts, then. Yeah. We've all so, been there. <laughs> yeah, there's just something. And you know what? And it's one of those things that we do get those occasional emails from people that are asking, you know, what do you do about burnout? I hate the idea that I'm getting burned out from, you know, the, this hobby that I love. And this, for me, is one of those ways. Not that I'm in the middle of burnout. I'm just in the middle of uh, my typical annual hardcore procrastin- procrastination period. <laughs> um, but this is one of the things that I, I myself will do to help me if I ever do get to that point where I'm struggling to get started on something. I'll go down and I guess for the lack of a better description, manhandle my stacks of lumber. <laughs> Come here, board. <laughs> you're gonna so teach you're going you to the lesson. shop to play with your wood, in other words. Uh, uh, I didn't want to put it that way, Shannon, but yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. That's just terrible. I've been saving that up since you started talking, basically. <laughs> but the difference here is my hands are getting rough and dry versus smooth and silky. <laughs> All right, so let's move All on right. to what's new. And that was a line that just, yeah. Wow. <laughs> you you pushed me there, Shannon. <laughs> you too. What am I going to do with you two? All right. Get in your corners. Um, it's a yeah. perfect time for a fly a flyover to kill that <laughs> That's sound. Right. Hold on. Where's the where's the cough button? Okay, so what's new? We've got a couple of things to share with you here. The first one is uh I guess a little bit self-serving. This is a video of me on Rough Cut. And I mentioned <gasps> this in yeah. I did that. I mentioned it in the past, and now I guess the video showed up online. Uh, first time I was able to see it, because Phoenix uh, just started playing the episodes. They're only like three or four weeks in, and this is uh, something that's a little bit later in the season. So my episode is available online. I'll put the link up for you to take a look at that. And it is chock full of awkward grinning, <laughs> and two guys wearing the same shirt in different colors, and uh, I don't know what else is weird about it, guys. <laughs> you- uh, well, yeah, I was, I, the one thing about this shirt that cracked me up because I was looking at it and going, look, they both have three button Henleys. That's awesome. <laughs> They're two different colors. Were they trying to make a statement about that? And for sure, I don't know who I felt more uncomfortable for you or Tommy because it was definitely moments I'm, I was looking at Tommy thinking I feel so bad for you you gotta you gotta work next to this guy he looks like he's just like he's like your little brother or something like, yeah, hey, exactly man, can we play today uh the the reality with the shirts is that I actually went to Walmart here at home before I left and bought a backup shirt because I knew they probably would not let me wear like a t-shirt or my wood whisperer shirt so I was like yeah just in case I got a decent shirt I don't want a full button-up shirt let me just do this little casual three button thing I don't want a, th- a collar or anything like that, and th- this will be fine. And I show up, and I'm just like, he's wearing a red version of the same dang shirt I just bought. <laughs> and of course, I needed the backup shirt, so I put that on, and here we are, like the you know two little woodworking buddies. Uh, it was just a little weird, but 
once again proves that woodworkers are to- totally simpatico <laughs> brainwaves wise. Yeah. You know, another thing is I think we had emailed about this and it was kind of funny because I did some videos for a company that was called Tool Select mm-hmm. and there was a host and one of the big things was don't look directly at the camera, <laughs> yeah. look at the host. The host <laughs> will help you guide through this and it's so hard as somebody who produces content not to like look at the camera and I felt my head like going in that direction so yeah. I'm sure I had plenty of goofy looks and to be honest, Mark, no offense, you did too. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, the first thing I noticed from the very first minute you press play, there's a goofy grin that kind of like returns <laughs> periodically because here's the thing, like you said, you're not used to, it's not that talking to Tommy is awkward. It's talking right. to Tommy while there's a camera there. And I'm, I'm normally looking at the camera and addressing the audience, but it's like, no, 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 no. You have to be glued on Tommy this whole time. And I also have to look like I'm enjoying myself. Right. So I have to smile. And it's the most unnatural thing I've ever done. Um, You know, and and it's, and again, it's nothing against Tommy. It's just the situation. Um, If there were no cameras and Tommy and I were having a conversation, it would look much more realistic. (laughs) But but I just like, I just had to laugh because I could, I've watched your videos long enough and I've known you long enough. I could just see the cuts. I could see where they edited stuff out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, I know Mark had more to say there, but it's, you can almost see like the intake of breath. Like you're about to say something and they cut to the next part. Right. That's not important. Like, yeah, those are just words. Uh, the, the one flexible sanding strip thing cracked. I I think that was the most painful one. If you look at that part, you'll actually see other tools on the bench that were part of a demonstration that I did showing, uh, how you can, (laughs) how you can address curves. And then the final one was the flexible sanding strip, which I actually constructed right there on the spot. And they were like, yeah, yeah, do it. So I got the CA glue and my little pieces. And that, and that was something I actually made right then and there. And none of that got into the video, like into the final version, like it was all cut. So, you know, there was another part. They, there they don't have thought, a CA glue sponsor probably. So <laughs> yeah. I'm allowed to use that. Totally. Well, you know, there was another part there that kind of cracked me up. And it seemed like uh, when it, when it came to like working with certain tools, it'd be like, okay, uh, Mark, you're going to do this. Now I'm going to run over to the bandsaw. And like Tommy would have to grab the stuff and like almost look like he was like running across the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the shop. And I was thinking, man, Mark, you're not a very gracious guest just making Tommy do all the work. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I actually did very little true woodworking there. I did a little bit of routing. And I was uh, allowed to use the domino and uh, just the way it was organized, they've got an outline of who does what through the whole thing. So it's all kind of pre-organized for me and I just go where they tell me to go and do what they tell me to do. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience. I, I you know, still like to be super thankful and appreciative to, to Tommy for giving me the opportunity. Uh, I had a blast. I would do it over again in a heartbeat if I could, uh, but it, but it's not without its awkward moments. That's for sure. Well, well I, I said this on Facebook. I have, we still don't get the show. Maryland PBS doesn't like woodworking apparently. So <laughs> um, the last one I saw, I think I saw two episodes of the first season, including the very first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the last time I saw that show. It is so much better yeah. now. Uh, I don't know what season we're on now, three or four or five, something like that. I believe. But, yeah. Season five. Wow. Well, and um, it's, it's still. I, I think having you as a counterpoint, to Tommy, mm-hmm. because I, I think if Tommy left to his own devices, would reach like Mach four because <laughs> he just <laughs> speeds up and speeds up and speeds up. And you were kind of that. Actually, I think that's where Eli does a good job too, because Eli's a very mellow personality and yeah. kind of brings him down. So I think there's a producer or a director somewhere in there screening who the co-host is <laughs> just to make sure they're they're mellow yeah. to keep Tommy in you know uh, inside the atmosphere. I, I'll tell you, you man, know, I, I don't I envy will... that 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 job of having to condense that much information into that, you know, time slot is, uh, is not easy. 
I mean, it, it, frankly, it's something I would not want to do. So anybody, like over the years, I've had people make that comment like, hey, when are you going to try and get a show on PBS? When are you going to try and do TV? And I'm like, you guys have to realize just how difficult it is for the host and for the the you know director and all these people involved to make a good piece of content with that kind of time restriction. Right. And absolutely. also like really, audience retention restrictions that you have to worry about. It really makes me respect Norm because – Man, he, you were Wait a actually minute. You able- didn't respect him before? Shannon, seriously? <laughs> Come on, man. That's not what I meant. Taking your card away. Don't put words in my mouth. Uh, I know exactly oh, you're what you're saying. able to build stuff. Like, you can build along to the new Yankee workshop. I don't know that I could with Rough Cut. Um, yeah, I haven't seen enough of it to really to make that yeah, judgment. Yeah, I guess but, I'm but pulling I, that out of my butt because I've seen three three episodes. So, yeah. But there was something about Norm – he never seemed fast, you know. He was always kind of laid back. His demeanor he was, was able very, to walk through. Yeah, very calm. It must be what it was. But yeah. yeah, I just as a as an online producer who can choose to break a project into six parts, you know, <laughs> put, <laughs> we have that put luxury. it out there. I don't think I could do it. I'd feel like, man, I'm cutting out stuff, and I, I feel like if if any of us or any of our contemporaries, if you will, were to do that, people would complain. Oh yeah, they would, they would be like, "Oh, this is nothing compared to to what he used to do online." It's like, well, right. yeah, no kidding, it's a totally different thing, right? Oh, well, yeah, you know, I, I will say though one last thing about it. it looked like Tommy really enjoyed his time with you because I've seen a couple of our other episodes where <laughs> I think he puts on more of a fake face with them. Yeah. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but with you, he looked like he was really enjoying himself. And maybe one of the editors should be brought up to speed that it's Mark with a C and not Mark with a K in the credits. <laughs> oh no, they didn't. Are you serious? I, I honestly yeah. didn't even notice that. I'm so used to that. I I kind of I sometimes think my name is spelled with a K. Um, yeah. I think it's well, funny that, that they get the spelling of the last name right, but screw up the first name. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you, we did have a good time. I, I think Tommy genuinely did have fun. Uh, we have a, a Tommy and I have a really interesting history because it wasn't always like friendly. <laughs> and <laughs> getting an opportunity to meet in person and hang out like that, and just you know what, cut through the BS. Uh, that that tends to be around us all the time online and just realize that we're just regular people trying to make a living and both have a love for woodworking. You know, you could see past all that stuff when you get to shake the person's hand and, and meet in person. And we had a blast, absolute blast. So, I mean, at this point, I'm proud to call the guy a friend. Uh, he's somebody who I would, you know, we, we talk for reasons not having to do with like co-promotion of each other's material. Um, right. You know, he, he's, a, he's a good guy. Um, really enjoy Absolutely. the experience. So, all right, let's so move on. shop is bigger? Oh, geez. Um, that's a good question. Actually, it's pretty close. His shop is pretty darn big. Uh, but then again, so is mine. Except that he's got a production crew and yeah, he's actually got to fit 10 people in there at a time. And I don't, so I'm a little more better craft service. Uh, I think I do, frankly. Um, I got a Dr. Pepper and, uh, Tommy bought me some Starbucks at one point, but, uh, (laughs) there's not much there. Anyway, um, Sweet. All right. yeah. Well, hey, let's move on to this next one. This, we have a link that came in here from Denny, and he said, uh, "Check out this video on YouTube. This has to be the most organized back wall I have ever seen." So, first of all, this is a video uh, that is about a uh, a box joint, uh, a, a box joint jig, and okay. it's a very ingenious box joint jig. But I have to completely agree with Denny. I went there, I checked out the video, and I. For the longest time, once the gentleman started talking, I'm like, get out of the way. What do you have on your wall? (laughs) Nice. Very cool. I haven't seen it. I'll have to go look at that. Oh, yeah. It's definitely. And the jig is really cool, too. Cool. Um, Why don't we put your name here twice? How'd that happen? Mm. 
Yeah, because I put this one in totally last second. And uh, I didn't want to give it to somebody else. Thanks for pointing out. Greedy. I saw the mark with a C and it threw me off also. Yeah. <laughs> so another mark with a C just sent this one in. And he says, I was reaching, I was researching crosscut sleds and found this example. And what it is is a, a blog post with yet another YouTube video, kind of a, a shorter one uh, in which somebody created a a dado type sled for their table saw really neat so if you do basically some some rabbits it looked like it was probably about maybe quarter of an inch three-eighths of an inch something like that in mm. width uh this is one of those really neat table sleds uh that you can build kind of a basic one but at the same time it was just neat seeing it in action and then the gentleman went on to explain how he actually built it and where he got the plans from so if you happen to be looking for a cross-cut sled like that that you could use with your dado blades. Uh, this might be something you want to check out. Sweet. Very cool. I need one of those. Wah, yeah. Wah. There, yeah. Must be, there must be a reason. It needs to go next to the taper jig <laughs> hanging on the wall in my shop. I think you I should get one. I trying to think of which tool you use that you would need that well, for. He can, well, you know what you can do? You can just make it and sort of mount your router plane upside down into something with a hole in it and just kind of run it over that. Put that in the no, middle. That'd be great. You just need to make it, and then you need to screw it up onto the wall like they do at a Cracker Barrel with all the antique tools. And it could be like you are getting back at them. That's what I do with my hand tools. <laughs> They're just on the wall for decoration. I'm telling you, I've got a I've got a table saw taper jig hanging above the garage door right now. It's nice. it's my uh, my old timey folk art. Yeah, that hangs it's just on the wall. Oh, the memories. <laughs> you need to have like a painted scene on it, like a landscape scene, like they do with saw blades. Ooh, that's a good idea. Nice. All right. Anyway, so uh, we, we've talked about TV shows. Well, guess what? There's there are TV shows that have woodworking on, on them on, on that television thing. Um, obviously, there's this show called Framework that's been out for a while. I have not seen it. Um, I've heard not so good things about it, but I haven't seen it, so I have no opinion on it. But Ellen design Ellen's design challenge. That's Ellen DeGeneres got a show on HGTV that premieres tonight in uh, about two hours. Nice from now. As we're recording this, and it it looks really good. And it does what's really exciting is my wife loves HGTV, Design Star, all the stuff on there. So she's really excited about watching it with me. So sweet, you know that's cool that we can do that together. But it just it looks really well done. And um, I can't remember. I think this was Mark's idea or somebody, but I think the three of us are going to try to watch this as well as the framework one and yeah. report back next week. Yeah, we're going to play catch up. I think all these things are available for the most part online. At least I hope they are. I'm a, a cord cutter, so I'd have to find it online to watch it. Uh, right. But yeah. the interesting thing, and this is what hopefully we'll be able to get into a little bit more depth on uh, next week is how different the promos are. Now I haven't seen either one myself, but you can, I've watched both promos and they are drastically different. I, I put this up on Facebook and I said, like, this Ellen show is like the the yin to the yang of framework. Um, like, they are complete polar opposites in tone. You know, mm-hmm, one, they one, are. one is, like, very serious, intense. There's people throwing crap. They're they're angry. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, whoa, this is, this is going to be an intense, hardcore type thing. The judges are like, this is just crap. You know, like that, that type of, um, uh, you know, stuff like you might see on American Idol. Uh, from uh, Simon. So, it, you know, and then you look at the, the Ellen thing and it's like unicorns and rainbows. And, oh, this is just, this is beautiful. <laughs> the, 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 like dance breaks, dance breaks. Well, well yeah. I feel like I, the, the way, the little bit I've seen from, from both of them. And again, I haven't seen either show mainly because Ellen's isn't out yet and framework. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it. A lot of people have been talking about it, but you're right. The promos for it is like the, the framework one is, 
is very much like in your face, like, you know, it's hardcore competition. It's almost like, uh, like ultimate fighting is the, <laughs> yeah. almost kind of the thing. Like, you know, I'm going to bash your face. I'm going to, I'm going to take this person down. I'm going to use this hammer against them where Ellen's, it almost kind of comes across as not, not puppy dogs and rainbows and stuff like that. But I almost feel like by watching, just and this is only based on the promo, so maybe when we actually discuss this, I'll feel completely different about it. But I feel like I actually could learn something from the Ellen one because it looks like it's actual constructive criticism, construction, constructive discussion about the pieces. Where the other one looks like it's just like this is crap, and you knew it was crap going into it. But again, yeah. that's purely the promo, so it's a lot of speculation. But I love speculation. Well, and we're also looking at two different networks here. You're looking at Spike TV. Uh, mm-hmm. is basically male programming and you could only imagine what a reality show uh, would have and should have on a network like that. It should be uh, dramatic and, and lots of energy. Um, and on HGTV, they do, I mean, it's personally, I think a lot of it has really gone downhill. There used to be some really great stuff. Um, but these days it's very lightweight, but tends to be a little bit more nicer, supportive, and even a reality show like this, um, with someone like Ellen, she's just kind of a very positive personality. You, you, you can't, you can only get so negative. Actually, I don't know if it was a well-known in fact, at least I knew this, but she is a furniture lover. She's yeah. a collector and really appreciates design and really appreciates furniture. So I view her as actually a pretty well-informed host to begin with, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Well, so the also whole thing... Brad Pitt had something to throw us off on. Remember when we found out Brad Pitt was a designer, oh, too? Yeah. We were like, wait a minute. And he loves green and green furniture. Yeah. Uh, well, this, to me, I'm really, really interested now to see both of these now that we have two of them to watch. And they are so, at least from the promos, the mood of them is very different. Um, and again, for this all, you know, sort of uh, over this whole thing, we can't say much about it because we've only seen promos. So exactly. maybe next time we'll be able to talk a little bit about how different the show is after watching the promo and does it actually, you know, follow that that theme that was established there. Um, I'm very interested in episodes are available online, at least to framework. Excellent. And I'll tell you what framework is getting hammered, at least in the circles that I run in. Um, A couple people like it, but most people are just like too much drama. Like this is just garbage. Um, And I'm anxious to see if that's true. Um, I'm hoping there's some really good redeeming qualities in it. Uh, because ultimately what we want out of these things is for them to help promote the craft and get people more interested in, in building furniture and carrying on what we love to do. Um, right. So hopefully it can still accomplish that while still doing the Spike TV drama thing. There we go. We'll see. Sweet. Okay, let's move into our uh, poll of the week here from our good buddy, Tom Iovino. And uh, we're not going to give you the results to this one. And you can go there and actually answer it. And we'll talk about the results next week. But it's about buying woodworking books. Uh, These days, there's just so much information available online that buying books for a lot of people seems kind of like an antiquated thing to do. Um, But clearly, there's plenty of good information in there. Unless you're some guy on Facebook who said, uh, when you have YouTube, who needs books? And my (laughs) my thought was, people who actually want information. Um, no, seriously, (laughs) there's tons of information on YouTube, but clearly not everything is on YouTube. And you, when you really want to dig into a topic, uh, a lot of times a book is, is a great place to do that. So the question actually is about how much would you spend 
on a single book. And some of the options are to spend nothing because you can get the stuff elsewhere. Um, you know, the, my problem with like with with YouTube versus a book is I can't make photocopies of YouTube very well. They keep changing the page every time I hit the button. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely the a lot. There's uh, shoot. I mean, anything I need to do around the house is like, oh, let me go on YouTube. I mean, there's still plenty of information there. But man, if, if you're only getting your stuff from YouTube, you might be shortchanging yourself a little bit. There's so much good information, especially in some classic woodworking books. And I mean, shoot, everything we read now mostly is regurgitation, right? But it's yep. a, it's a new person's perspective on an old thing. So, um, you're, you're really just kind of missing out if you're not looking at some of the classics. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let us know what you think about that. How much would you spend on a single woodworking book? And how much wood would you would? No, wait, never mind. Wrong thing. <laughs> I was, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> it, it, falls a, it falls apart a couple, a uh, couple words in, Matt. Uh, let's move into our kickback here. Um, I'll do the first one, Matt. How about you grab the second one? I could do that. All right. Chris says for uh, what it's, is, is that for what it's worth? That's how I took it. My solution. Either that or uh, Taunton Press was trying to crash our, our podcast. Yeah, I'm like, that's Either that or it's for woo woo My solution to creep for anything utility. Okay, this is our conversation about uh, Project Creep that we had last week. Um, if it's utilitarian, like the dog crate cover, only use dimensional lumber, two by fours, uh, plywood, and perhaps one by dollar board foot pine. Stay away from any nice wood at all. You'll be much more or less tempted uh, much less tempted to embellish and just want to get it done, but nicely and still workmanlike. Oh, I should have read this before I read it on the show. <laughs> Jeez. You did a great job. What a, what a, stop staring at the camera. Yeah, what a pro over here. Yeah, I was busy staring at Tommy's picture on the wall. Um, <laughs> all right, anyway, his point is if you know it's utilitarian, don't put great stuff into it, you'll be less tempted to embellish. There you go. Cool. Solid, cool. solid wisdom. I agree there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, hey, this one came in from Wilbur Pan, and he says, in Wood Talk number 213, so the last one, you discussed Project Creep and whether it, whether it was worthwhile to do, do – oh, my gosh. Now I've got your problem. Matt, you should have read this before. What's wrong with you? I was too busy looking at that picture of Tommy. That was the problem. <laughs> uh, so you discussed Project Creep and whether it was worthwhile to do, say, inlay on a relatively utilitarian piece of furniture. And the suggestion was made to save the inlay for the next project if appropriate. I would argue that if you weren't familiar or comfortable with inlay, a utilitarian project would be the perfect time to do some inlay for the practice and experience. I went into a Silas Koff style portrait, but just going through the process of inlaying some simple decorations will give you experience that will be useful when you do tackle that federal shaded fan inlay with bell flowers and stringing using four different species. Uh, so we actually have two opposing views there. Um, I don't know if one is well, right or the other. Well, gives the dog a little bit of variety in his diet too as you choose through it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stick to the hide glue because it'll be just like their hide bones. Well, we're so you know, contrarian we, all the time. We, we should, since we're talking about Wilbur, we should mention that he actually has another form of kickback. A couple episodes ago, we had somebody ask about hollows in the back of Japanese chisels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And would that prevent pairing? And Wilbur did it. He did the experiment. So there's a blog post, and I'll, I'll grab the link and drop it in the show notes. But he did a, a really good blog post that showed that, no, the hollow is not a problem. Cool. Excellent. Well, thank but, you, Wilbur, um, for listening and for for uh, doing the experiment. I'm glad you mentioned that because I totally forgot about it. Uh, thank yeah, you, Wilbur. I just read it today, so. <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> nice, um, so you're that far behind. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Let's jump in the voicemail, shall we? We've got one here from Peter. He's got a question about SketchUp. Fantastic podcast. 
I'm pretty new to woodworking and I'm very new to SketchUp and it has helped me a lot actually. But from where you guys are, if you didn't need to communicate what you were making or how you would do it to anyone else, clients on the web to your wives, would you then still use SketchUp? So hope you can help me. Best regards from Denmark, Peter. Now, here's what this has me thinking about, that if you have an accent, life just seems like it would be better. (laughs) Like if you have a cool accent, and of course, I mean, maybe he doesn't, he doesn't have an accent in Denmark, right? I guess everybody talks So you're saying a Jersey accent's not cool? No, no. And I I barely have a Jersey accent, like compared to people who really have one. Um, That's what you think. (laughs) We all say that, right? Um, I just feel like, you know, if you have a, 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 like... A really nice southern drawl. I think that's cool. If if you have like Australian, right? Is there any better accent than Australian accents? Um, Not from what I keep hearing from some of the ladies in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the Michigan accent just isn't doing it for them. Yeah, they're like, we're so over that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so he wants to know about SketchUp and would we still use it? Uh, I'll answer first. Uh, for me, I would not use it to the extent that I use it when I'm giving a plan to other people. Obviously you want to make sure everything is done and as much detail as you can put in there is in there. Uh, when left to my own devices for my own projects, I absolutely do use it. In fact, I'm really dependent on it now for working out joinery and proportions. So if mm-hmm. I have a, a complicated joint that's going together, I want to lay it out first, make sure my, I can wrap my brain around it. I've got reveals that are where I want them to be. I've got shoulders that are the size I want those shoulders to be and that my tenons aren't going too far into to the adjoining workpiece. And then of course, just the big picture. Does this door look like it's the right proportion for the case that surrounds it? Uh, drawer sizes, dividing drawers, like I'm doing a dresser right now. So I wanted to work out the math uh, for what the drawer fronts would need to be cut to, to fit perfectly and have five perfectly even sized doors. It's so much easier to do in SketchUp than it is to try and figure it out in the shop for me. Um, so yeah, I absolutely do use it, but I only go so far with my detail. Uh, what about you, Shannon? I I don't put really any joinery in unless it's maybe a rabbit or a dado just because that determines the length of a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, dovetails I don't put in because dovetails, at least if they're through dovetails, you know, the length is the length. Um, you don't have to detail that. Um, I'm not real good at making curves and stuff like that, so I generally don't put those in because I can't. Um, but when I've had to produce a plan, yeah, I, I've done it. But perfect example. I've got these three commissions I was talking about earlier and I've already pulled out SketchUp to um, work out some proportions, kind of work out basically, you know, uh, this this um, display stand with four corner posts and I was trying to keep it delicate and I was trying to think, well, you know, what a one and a half inch square leg look weird, one and a quarter look weird and just working out those proportions uh, was, SketchUp was invaluable for that because I could, you know, very quickly create a post it's one and a quarter and one and eighth and put them side by side and determine which one I liked the look of better. And yeah. Um, and, and I think I will actually, once I get it where I like it, um, I will probably maybe even print it out or take a screenshot or something like that and send it to uh, my client and say, here's what I'm envisioning. Uh, what do you think? So absolutely. And in, in that case, you know, there's no need to have the joint or you just have to get that um, that look right, you know, so the client can see it. Nice. Hmm. What about you, Matt? You know, I, I think I'm, I'm more like you, Mark, in, in this in this scenario. Um, I I actually do like to to put kind of as much detail into these things as possible. And it's funny because I was just thinking about the fact that 
now that I'm, I feel like I'm becoming more proficient with SketchUp, although I have, definitely have a ways to go. But this this sounds really kind of funny. But I feel like when I go to make like a lot of detail work in there, and I kind of try to get curves, or I try to put in certain joinery or something, there's a little part in my brain that says. If it takes you that long to struggle with the SketchUp, imagine what it's going to be like when you get in the shop. And so it's actually curved some of the hardcore joinery that I've I've kind of scaled things back a little bit and made them just a little bit more what I know I can do, and then occasionally want to try to, you know, do other things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyways, I I do like you, uh, Shannon. I like to have the basic outline when I show things to people so they know what I'm talking about, and then if they ask for details, I'm like they'll come later. (laughs) Nice. I think it's a good way to kind of get your process down too. Um, at least the way I use SketchUp, I tend to build my models like I would build it in the shop where I actually right. create a board and then cut the joinery into that board and then assemble that board with another board or, or a component in SketchUp. And it helps you kind of, it's like doing a, 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 a dry fit. Yeah. You know, it gives you that rehearsal uh, before you actually get into the shop. Sure. It's a great Sweet. tool. Yeah, it's free too. So go download it if you're not using it already. SketchUp, good stuff. Uh, all right, let's jump into our emails. Eric, emails, emails. Yeah, we're going to jump into our emails. Is that a new one? You really need to record that and let oh. me use it. All right, I just forgot it. <laughs> all right, so Eric from Arizona says, my question begins with a simple cutting board project that I have glued up. This is not an end grain cutting board and needs to be smoothed out. I sanded for a while and sanded it a bit out of flat and decided to try out my poorly restored plane, maybe a number three or number four, and realized that I've got boards running with the grain in different directions when looking at it from the edge. Uh, this led to one side smooth and the other torn out pretty bad. Then I went a little bit skewed and needless to say, it's bad. So, so he's got a disrupted grain sort of situation. Uh, I think anybody who uses hand tools um, primarily will will know that this is a thing. And I think folks who use power tools may be a little bit less aware of of why this is an issue because you kind of a lot of times if you're using power tools you don't have to worry about it. So if you're gluing a couple of boards together for a panel, for a cutting board, whatever it is, you really need to think about the grain direction. And typically most boards have a dominant grain direction where you can even sometimes run your your hand across the surface and feel. So you you have to know that direction if you're using hand tools because it fights you. And if you're going against the grain, you tend to get that tear out and the chip out that's just awful. Go with the grain and suddenly it's just smooth sailing. Um, So if you're gluing these boards together and you mismatch them, so one is going one way, one's going the other, you may not be able to really see anything to indicate that that's a problem. But when you run a plane over it, it will be a problem. And now that those pieces are glued together, how do you attack one, one section at a time without crossing over the other pieces where the grain is changing up on you? So... Uh, for me personally, when when I glue things up, I don't worry about this so much. And it's primarily because, number one, it's power tools, but I also have helical heads in my tools. And those tend to cut really well. They have a nice sheer angle. So even if I'm going against the grain, I tend to get good results. But it is really a good practice because even if you're sending these things through, some woods, they still go against the grain. You're going to get chip out. And unless you have a drum sander to back you up and bail you out, which I do, you're going to still wind up in hot water in some cases. And if you have a straight knife blade set up, you could also end up in that situation, especially if they're starting to dull on you. And if you're like me and you want to use scrapers and planes on these boards because you get enjoyment out of it and you like the results, you're still going to have that problem when you get back to the bench after you've done your planing from your power tools and you want to hit these things with a hand plane, what are you going to do? So so pay some attention to the grain direction. I think it's probably good just as a woodworker uh, to do that because it also affects the visual 
uh, effect. When you actually hit it with finish, boards have a different visual like reflection depending on which way the grain is running. And if it's really mismatched, it doesn't look as seamless and continuous as it could if the grain was all running the same way. So I think that's a key point because as much as I think a book match looks cool, when you put finish on it, it's suddenly two-toned. Yeah, it can because be. Because it's the opposite grain direction and it kind of ruins that book match effect. Book yeah. matches look great without finish. You know, this reminds me of a little lesson I learned on a recent episode of Rough Cut that I watched with Mark Spagnuolo and Tommy Mack. And Very they were talking about laminating up some legs and watching the grains. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Shannon, you're up. Okay. This comes from David. He says, I was fortunate enough to acquire a beautiful sheet of rosewood plywood from a retiring cabinet maker for an amazing price. Braggart. Braggart. One time only. Amazing price. My plan is to build a Danish modern style credenza with it. Any suggestions for good wood to use for the face frame? As real rosewood is either too expensive or impossible to get, that doesn't seem like an option. The plywood has a really nice, rich color with a pronounced grain pattern, so my inclination would be to use something more muted so that it wouldn't detract from the rosewood. And um, he did include this in the email. Um, He was able to verify that it is Dalbergia Nigra. Um, So not only is it hard to get, it's illegal. So if you, if you find somebody who has it, you might want to walk away. Report them. a potential reward for turning in the person. If that's the case, let me know. Yes. Sir, yes, did man. you know that these boards are illegal? <laughs> exactly. I want my money arrest. in cash. <laughs> Excuse me. That's illegal. So, yeah, I think um, if I'm envisioning what he's trying to do, I mean, if he's going to use plywood for maybe the the the, the fronts uh, the door panels or whatever in the credenza and he just needs a face frame to go around it I think there's a couple of ways you can you can go here but I think the probably the most important thing to do is get a piece uh, cut off a, a small piece or something of that plywood and put some finish on it because it is plywood it is not solid wood and obviously wood is going to soak up finish differently if you've only got a one-tenth of a of a one-tenth one one-hundredth of a thickness veneer over the front with whatever behind it some sort of uh, hardwood or, or softwood even core behind it it's going to look differently than a solid piece of of rosewood would be it may not have that depth and that luster it may not be as dark so you really want to know what you're working with I think that could be a good thing, though, because for a face frame, you could probably get away with something lighter, something cheaper, maybe like walnut, um, with a little bit of color added to the walnut. The other thing is you could go the opposite direction and make your face frame, you know, give it like an ebonized look and make it pure black yes. to kind of set off the the, the variegated grain of, of the rosewood. That's a design style, uh, in my opinion, but I also think you need to be careful about the grain as well. Um, walnut is a little bit more semi-porous, so it's going to require probably some pore filling because there's nothing porous about rosewood. It gets this beautiful, beautiful luster just by sanding it. It's so closely grained. So you really you need to have an idea what you're starting with with a little bit of finish and then just start applying finishes to other boards and go from there. The other thing is there are other rosewoods that you could get um, they're still going to be expensive though. So you have to look at how much wood you're going to use and just be careful that the grain doesn't compete with what you already have. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'm glad you mentioned the thing about the ebonizing because that was something that just popped in my head. I'm thinking, you know, it'd be really cool. I know he wants to kind of match things up. It'd be really cool to just like really set off that rosewood and have oh, yeah. 
the other thing just be that hard contrast. How about well, they do that, super, like photographers do that in galleries? They so good. Black backgrounds behind the pictures. Or if you go to photographers' websites, they have black backgrounds because it sets off the image mm-hmm. a lot more. Um, and I think that's the thing you're looking for too. I mean, not knowing anything about his design, can't quite say that, but um, I think that would be kind of a cool look. You also find a lot of uh, instruments with rosewood that have like maple or spruce or some really, really light blonde wood as an accent. And I don't know if it would throw the piece off. It might be too much for what he's doing, but it could look really cool because there are some beautiful guitars with uh, with that nice trim around rosewood. So nice. something to think about. Oh, some great ideas. Wait, we so have all the- we did was make things harder for you, David. Sorry. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Courtesy of yeah, the Wood Talk. You, you wanted an answer. We wanted to complicate it. <laughs> we gave you seven. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Well, hey, we have this last question. This came in from Rex, and Rex is asking, I have an unheated, insulated garage workshop, an unheated, insulated garage workshop, okay, which is attached to my house. Most of the winter, the residual heat from the house will keep the garage above zero degrees Celsius, which for those of you playing at home, that's 32 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't understand. I know. It's just like, it's a metric thing. So let's, <laughs> let's just work through this. Okay. Uh, but up here in Canada, it gets really cold sometimes. So there will be times when it will drop below. I would rather not heat the whole space. I find the tools don't rust as long as there's air circulation. So I keep a fan running. I want to put everything that could potentially freeze like glues, finishes, etc., in a heated space just in case. I'm wondering if anyone has set up a heated cabinet. I'm worried about putting a heat source near and in, uh, and in a confined space such as a, uh, as such flammable items. Any ideas? Uh, so in other words, uh, Rex is worried about uh, heating a, a cabinet and having it go boom in case something goes wrong. Um, one thing I always think about is anytime that you have uh, an exterior uh, unheated uh, area, so like in my case, I have my garage, which is we'll call it semi-insulated, I notice that when I have the wall and there's always a wall that is kind of – if it's attached to the house, uh, that is always going to be uh, right near the warmth of the house. So that wall the, it will actually be a little bit warmer. So I, I'll kind of put things there and I notice I don't have as much of an issue. Sure, the rest of the garage is cold, but that little area, because it's up against a kind of heated wall, uh, tends to keep it warm. But – if you do want to have this heated cabinet, one of my first thoughts immediately without having to get too complicated with it is just simply to maybe line the inside of the cabinet with, with some sort of insulation, whether it's rigid foam insulation or, I don't know, maybe some good old-fashioned fluffy insulation or something. Anything that's going to help retain the heat that's in there uh, so that it stays just above that freezing point. Another idea, if you don't think that that's going to work enough for you, is maybe – it just installing like a very small um, uh, light bulb or something in there, a very low wattage light bulb that will just simply give off a little bit of heat. Because let's get serious. If you've ever been in uh, an area where there is a light bulb in a small enclosed area, it starts to heat up pretty fast. So you don't need something that's really high wattage. It could be something kind of low, maybe on an extension cord or maybe just an old trashy lamp that nobody likes to look at. Maybe you could put that in there, put a timer on it so you don't have to worry about it running all the time. Cool. You know, they also make um, ceramic heat elements that I used to use for my lizards and snakes. And I don't know, again, there's, there's this sort of disclaimer thing that it probably isn't a great idea to put anything electrical inside of a cabinet with flammable finishes. Um, But... Let's say let's say that's all okay. 
Well, that was a loud noise. Yeah, what was that? That was a great that, idea. That's I have an idea. <laughs> the idea bulb. It involves a light bulb. Um, <laughs> and and uh, these things actually are really helpful. They don't produce any light, and you can get them in various wattages, just because you know different animals need different amounts of heat. Uh, and it's just a ceramic fixture that you put into one of those little uh, you know silver clip light things. Uh, and that will add some heat to the situation. So, um, but I don't know. I'm a little bit concerned about the safety aspects of this. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I if you get a fireproof cabinet, will it keep fire in as well as keep fire out? I will have to check with my safety officer at work because we have fire cabinets all over the place. Yeah, I think their uh, main intention is to stop the fire from getting inside. Um, I don't no, know. I, I, I understand that. I just wonder if it goes the other way around. Yeah, I don't know how long it lasts. A, I mean, obviously yeah. it's going to contain it to some extent, but. I think it, it potentially it could. I mean, actually, my understanding of it is more it's supposed to be slowing the heat down from in there. It's not going to necessarily, you know, stop it from burning at all, but more or less it kind of slows it down enough so that hopefully some Somebody with a fire extinguisher or a big hose can get in there <laughs> and put out the fire before yeah. it reaches it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I really do think, though, that the whole idea of insulating it, you might be surprised at how that is probably the safer option and it probably will give you the result you're looking for. I just I think that would be pretty easy. Nice. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Let's. Uh uh, let's see what else we have here. If you want to support the show, you can do that. Set up a recurring donation at woodtalkshow.com or you can buy a Woodtalk t-shirt at twwstore.com. And also you could leave us an iTunes review. Just head to iTunes, search for Woodtalk and click on the ratings and reviews and give us a sweet five-star rating just like Chrisoy H12 did and Jack Makes. Uh, he says, utterly great with D's. It's a joke for yeah. a recent <laughs> I see show. What he, did there. Wah, wah. he says, I've been listening for a while, and his podcast still has so much to offer, even as I have outgrown my man crush on Mark, Matt, and Shannon. What? That's oh, not I, possible. It's five stars, but I feel somewhat slighted. I do, too, Seriously. actually. I feel like I need to go work out now if I'm not Seriously. that attractive anymore. Yeah, we need to go to the gym, guys. Ugh. I need to trim the beard. It's just terrible. All right, let's uh, give them the contact info, and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, oh, uh, that's another great idea. <laughs> oh, what a great idea. How about giving the contact info? So if you have comments, questions, or topic suggestion, there's several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is woodtalkonline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at kickback at woodtalkshow.com. Or you can leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page where if, you know what, we were just thinking not too long ago that maybe it might be fun. If you have a project that you'd like to share with everybody, kind of show off, brag a little bit or something, Mm -hmm. why don't you uh, let us know about it? We'd be happy to post it over there and make comments about it preferably nice ones because we're not mean people we'll try yeah we'll we're, we try we're not more to we're more sometimes. like ellen than uh than the other show right yeah we're definitely not ultimate fighter so but anyway <laughs> so that's one thing to do that's our wood talk facebook page and of course you can head over to our brand new spiffy website which is at woodtalkshow.com which is going to be so amazing because it yeah, just is. it is and you want to do something over there you can le- find all the great information that we are talking about in today's episode or any of the previous ones at woodtalkshow.com and that's the place to go because what am i talking about just go there fantastic all right thanks for listening everybody we'll catch you next time all right see, see you bye. Bye.